0: Amen, amen. Hey, y'all, can I uh, take a seat? You know, I, I really uh, appreciate and love our worship team. I think they do an incredible job. Uh, you know, I, I stumbled on that song a few weeks ago and said, "Hey, yo, we need to do that, right? It's like really good, and, and uh, the message there is just so powerful." And 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 I want some of you to catch it because. I think there's a few people in this room, maybe, who are not feeling very fulfilled in their life. They feel, they would say, I'm, I'm actually unfulfilled. And you thought that relationship was going to do it. It did for a while, but <laughs> no, it, it didn't quite last. You, you thought the job, the money, whatever, you're feeling unfulfilled. Uh, that line there, you know, I'm unfulfilled without full communion, right? Until we're really connected with God, we're never going to be fulfilled. Why? Because... Whether you want to admit it or not, you were made by God. God breathed life into you, right? And you were made for God. And you will remain unfulfilled without full communion. And the good news is God's arms are always open wide, all right? I, I love that song. I probably listened to it like 30, 714 times already. And, and uh, the guys back there who have to hear me through the microphone uh, enjoy my singing. But anyhow... I just want you to know, if you're unfulfilled, that's, the, that's why, that's why, you, you get with God and you're going to be more fulfilled, amen, amen, amen. that was so weak, amen? amen, all right, I mean, you guys want to go home, you got to bring me some love, right, I need love, all right, pretend you're an Ohio State fan that watch your team come back in overtime, right, they would be like, yay guys, good job, is that what they did, no, I don't think so, all right, let's do this, week six in our series, church, we are... Dot, dot, dot. Not church we believe, not church we think, not church we feel, not church we talk about, not church we attend, not church we claim, but church we are. Uh, because following Jesus is not merely about believing, it's about being, it's about becoming. Get it? Good. Okay, I think y'all know what's coming. I, I want us to. I want us to fill this room, I I want us to to fill our mouths, I I want us to fill our hearts with bold declarations about who we are as Jesus followers. And I mean, there is nothing like us in the world. We are the church, and we're awesome, and we're amazing. Would you guys stand? On your feet. (laughs) All right, that's usually where I stand. All right, and here's the drill, right? And, and like these are all true, not made up, right? Check them out in Scripture, not making it up. Yeah. What if we actually believe this individually and as a church? What if we believe these things? You know your line. Here we go. We are. The truth. We are. Christ. We are. Christ. We are. The most the land. We are. We are. Good job. We are. The job. We are. We are. Walk, we are. God's promise, we are. We are. We are. We are. We are. Words, not hands. We are. Amen. That's who we are. You guys can take a seat. Now, now I, I I want to underscore again the uh, that powerful and transforming truth from last week that. That if you and if I, and those are big ifs. I mean, in my notes, I want the 18 font Dahoma, right? I mean, I jacked up my font on my notes because they're big ifs, right? If's a big word. But, but, but if we, listen, if we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to prayer, we will grow in our faith and God will do in our lives and in our church what he did in the first century in the Acts 2 church. He will move in powerful and mighty ways in, among, and through us, and he will add to our number daily those who are being saved. Question, do you believe that this is possible? And do you believe that God wants and longs for us to do that? Do you? Me too. So, did you read your Bible any next week? How'd you do? Uh, I, 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 was, I was five for seven reading my Bible devotionally. Okay, five for seven. Uh, and on Friday, I, I read Acts chapter 24, and her faith comes from hearing. And, and honest, uh, I wasn't expecting much. It's a, it's a biblical narrative. You know, I've probably read it more times than, than I can count. Paul's in Jerusalem. He, he's just been arrested Started a riot everywhere he went. It was a riot and it was not a quiet riot, right? It, it, was, a, it was a ruckus riot, okay? And, and I'm literally there beating Paul, they're kicking Paul. And the Roman soldiers gather around Paul. I mean, the crowd is so violent that the soldiers actually have to take Paul and pick him up and lift them up over their heads. And this crowd the whole time is shouting, Kill him! Kill him! Kill him! Now, Paul went there knowing that this was going to happen. And, and then Paul speaks to the people. And and like four statements when I read it just jumped out to me. Like, hey, those are really four statements that I could build my life on. here's what Paul said. I follow the way. I follow the way. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. What do you follow? Then he said, I have hope in God. right. And, and, and hope in any place else is just sinking what? Sinking sand. I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and everyone else. I always want to know that I'm good with other people as far as it depends on me, right? Because sometimes it don't depend on you, amen, right? Sometimes people don't want to be right with you, and there's not a thing you can do about it. And then he says, I believe in the resurrection of the dead. I, I believe in that. And the resurrection changes everything. I mean, there's some great mottos to live our lives by. And I was blessed by that reading. Didn't expect it. Did you pray? Did you pray any this past week? You, you know, this morning I, I, I prayed, and I share with you guys a lot of times I'm pretty dysfunctional. You know, I, I'm, I'm messed up. And, and I always get negative chatter on Sunday. You know what negative chatter is? Like, like things in your head that make you feel bad about yourself. <laughs> so I had this negative chatter going on, and and. and you know, when I'm thinking like, you, know, you ever in your life examine your life and say, wow, what have I accomplished? Have I accomplished anything of value, anything lasting, and, and, and my chatter wasn't necessarily good? And then I, then I heard God kind of say, why do you so often look here on earth to measure your accomplishments rather than looking to me? And I go, whoa, I like that God. I like that God. And when did he tell me that? in prayer, right? He he couldn't have told that if I wasn't talking with him. Did you do any any community, right? You know, remember I said when when you shave, right, think of community, right? You know, you know, two blades are better than one, three are better than two. I took a picture this week, put it on my Facebook, there's me shaving, right? (laughs) That's that's me and my Mach 5, right? You know, Mach 5, and you know, see, community is where you take off your mask, right? You know, I tried shaving with this on, and Man, you know, I was cutting my, no, I really didn't, because I it wouldn't, it'd be dangerous, right? You know, community is the place where we take our mask off, right? We can get real, because we never get better until we get real. And, and then, just let me remind you of the goals for this series. You know, number one, I said that I, I wanted us to understand how awesome the church is. Number two, I, I said that, that I wanted to move us to, to, to take the church more excitedly. And to stir us up with joy that we get to be a part of it. Are you kidding me? I get to be part of the church? Number three, to move us to take the church more seriously. So that we treat her like the bride belonging to Christ and like the precious treasure that she is. Roger Chambers, one of my professors, said, one of the major problems that the church faces today is that it does not take itself seriously enough. And number four, a goal was to, to move all of us to do a gut check that moves us to commit or recommit to Christ and to his church. And now here's where we're going in the next few weeks in this series. Uh, Today we're talking about we are servants. Next week we're going to talk about we are one and talk about the power and the necessity of unity. On the 30th we're going to talk about we are pursuing. We are pursuing a life lived on mission. And then the final week, November 6th, we're talking about we are in. And remember, that's the, that's the re up, recommit week, right? We have some people here at First Service. Kathleen Wickline has been a member of this church for 73 years, right? That's like a long time, you know? And, and she's still here, right? And, and uh, uh, whether you've been a member for 73 years, you know, if you're, remember, we're going to re up, you know? We're going to re up and say, I recommit to what this church is doing. It's also time for those who've been tending, hanging out. Uh, they take the hey, I, I want to be a part of this church. You know, I usually do a membership class, but this is our membership class on steroids, this series, right? I mean, this is it on steroids, and you can jump in and join at that time. And do want to give you a heads up that our our November 6th service will be one service at 1045, so we we'll all be in here together. And, and, uh, and you're going to love it because we fall back on that Sunday. so it, We're really, it's 1145, I mean, so, I mean... <laughs> Nobody better be dragging their butts at all that Sunday, right? I mean, we should be ready to go and amped up, right? Because we got all kinds of sleep. But that's, that's where we're going. And, and would you guys join me in prayer? Uh, God, we love you. We adore you. We're amazed by you. And God, I pray that you would just move among us. And, and God, it's crazy. Sometimes we look at ourselves, and we may not like what we see in the mirror, The world may put us down, but we know that we were made by you, the creator of this universe, the one who is and was and always will be. And not only, God, were we made by you. We were made for you, for a purpose, for a reason, that you have things you want us to do, that you gifted each of us in a certain way. There's things that you want to say through our lives to this world that can only be said through us because we're unique. And so, God, I just pray that you help us today. Help me today to share your word in a way. That just motivates. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Mark chapter 9, or you can open up your Bible app if you use that, which really the only use of your phone on Sundays in church should be your Bible app or Twitter or Facebook to talk about how awesome I am and all those sermons are great and you're quoting me, right? That's okay. Fantasy football, you should have done before you got here. Okay, if you should have made those changes, oh my goodness, you got your guys on a bye week and you don't, you don't have a tight end or a running back. Sorry, should have done that earlier, all right? Okay, wait a second. <laughs> I have a couple byes this week. Okay, but, uh, Mark chapter 9, beginning at verse 30. Uh, leaving that region, they traveled through Galilee. Jesus didn't want anyone to know he was there, for he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He said to them, The Son of Man is going to be betrayed into the hands of his enemies. He will be killed, but three days later, he'll rise from the dead. They didn't understand what he was saying, however, and they were afraid to ask him what he meant. After they arrived in Capernaum and settled in the house, Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing out on the road? But they didn't answer, because they had been arguing about which of them was the greatest. Okay, picture the scene. I mean, Jesus told his disciples about what was going on and what was going to happen to him in Jerusalem, how he was going to be betrayed, how they would kill him, how he would rise three days later. it 's only the second time he ever had this conversation with them. And notice that it tells us that the, that the twelve that they didn't get it, that they didn 't understand what He was saying. You see, it, it didn't make sense to them. it didn 't fit with their view of the kingdom. They wanted a, conc- they wanted a conquering hero in a Jewish world empire. They had already written their script what the Messiah was supposed to do, right? And Jesus did not fit it. However, they didn't ask for any clarification. I think because they're afraid that clarification would be given and then things would be clear. you think we're any different? I mean, are there some things that Jesus said that we are really afraid to ask for clarification? Jesus said that we're to love our enemies. Okay, like, like, what do you really mean, Jesus? <laughs> like, all of them? <laughs> Even them? And like, what kind of love are you talking about here? You know, we don't want clarification. Jesus said that if we do not forgive those who hurt us, that he won't forgive us. Uh, do we want clarification, right? Y- you know, I-, I don't think we're any different, right? Because sometimes we don't want clarification because then everything's clear of what God wants us to do and what he calls us to. Then after telling them about his betrayal and death, they head off to Capernaum. And Jesus is walking in front of them, and they begin to argue with each other. And interestingly, they're not fighting about, hey, who do you think will betray Jesus? Or, hey, I'm going to lead the way. I'm going to lead the charge to make sure no one gets to Jesus. No, 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 no. They're fighting about who's going to be the greatest. I mean, Jesus just shared his heart. Hey, I'm going there, and I'm going to die and it's going to be brutal. And they're walking behind him, and Jesus hears every word, and all they're doing is pushing and shoving each other, trying to establish the order of the processional behind him. I'm the greatest. No, I am. Get out of the way. It's me. It's me. I mean, you can almost hear I'm talking, right? I'm sure Peter was the first to speak up, right? Right? well, I should be the greatest. I mean, I was one of the first to follow Jesus, Hey, and I was the guy that got out of the boat and walked on water. And when Jesus asked who he was, who had the right answer, who got the A plus, I did. You're the Christ of the living God. And then Andrew spoke up, wait a minute, Pete. I think you may be forgetting that get behind me Satan thing. And if I remember right, Pete, I'm the one that found Jesus first, and I brought you to him. And when and I'm the one that got the boys' lunch and took it to Jesus and fed thousands of people while the rest of you were sitting around with your mouth hanging open. Hey, guys, Matthew said. All sounds good, but I think you're forgetting something. It's obvious that when Jesus establish the kingdom, he'll need someone with great organizational skills. I was a tax collector. I have the skills to get this kingdom thing rolling. And then James and John, who always stuck together, spoke up. It's obvious my brother and I are the greatest. Where some of the first disciples were the only two brothers to go up on the Mount of transfiguration. And And it's obvious that my brother John is Jesus' best friend. I mean, he's the kind of friend that you would have look after your own mother. Another voice spoke up. It was Judas. Hey, we all know how important money is in this world. Can't get anything done without it. And if Jesus put me in charge of our finances, surely that means I am the greatest. And on and on it went. Now, I don't really know how the conversation went, but the bottom line is they all wanted to be first, and Jesus heard every word of it. And when he finally settled them down in the house, he asked a question. So, what were you guys talking about along the road? Can you say, busted? <laughs> I mean, imagine that happening today to me, to you, to us. I mean, imagine Jesus sitting you down saying, hey, 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 what were you talking about in the foyer of church, in the parking lot, at the restaurant, or on social media? What if Jesus said, hey, can I have your phone up for a second, you know, and the password and where I could check your Instagram, your Facebook, and all the other grams out there, right? You know, can you say, busted? And now those who were earlier were so quick and eager to spout off and have their opinions heard don't even dare to even say a word. Instead, their heads are down, they're trying not to make eye t- contact with Jesus, and finally, the king speaks. Guys, I'm so glad that you want to be first, to be the top camel. Not top dog, because they didn't like dogs back then. They like camels, right? right? They, everybody had, I'm the top camel shirt back then. You know, it, it wouldn't sell well today, but back then they were making a big, big bunch of money, all right? Here's what he says. Whoever wants to be first must be must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Whoever wants to be first, I like first. First is good, right? Must take last place and be the servant of everyone. And the Greek word for everyone means everyone. And, and now you would think lesson learned, right? But not so much. I, I, I mean, check out what it's going down just a few days later in Mark chapter 10. Jesus again tells his guys about his death, this time going into even more detail, saying, hey, the Romans are going to arrest me, they're going to mock me, they're going to spit on me, they're going to beat me, they're going to flog me, and they're going to kill me. And believe it or not, in the very next verse, right after Jesus says all that, then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him, teacher, they said, We want you to do for us whatever we ask. (laughs) What do you want me to do for you? He asked. They replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. And you don't know what you're asking. When the ten heard about this, they became indignant with James and John. Listen, they weren't indignant because they were appalled at James and John. They were indignant because James and John had beat them to the punch, right? And it had got ahead of them. Jesus called them together probably sighing and shaking his head and said, you know, that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercised authority over them, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. Man, their heads must have been spinning. Seriously, Jesus? Then he goes, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, I understand, Jesus, capital G, God in the flesh, came not to be served, but to serve. Think about that. God coming to serve us. I mean, if the President of the United States came to your house, it would it seem kind of crazy if he set the table, washed the dishes? took out the trash, and then walked your dog carrying that ever-popular poop bag with him, right, as he's walking, what like, that's crazy, you're like the president, you're POTUS, you can't be, it's nuts. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And listen, if we are followers and not fans, we will do the same, and we'll do it the same way, we will serve like Jesus. Now, now as I thought about how Jesus served, five words quickly Popped into my mind that I don't want to unpack as we talk about we are servants. Those words are humble, available, thankful, faithful, and expectful. Now, apparently, I don't know why expectful is not a word yet, right? You know, but it is now. I, there's an actual definition I found, it, I made it up. Anyhow, expectful, adjective, a strong feeling, centered belief that something awesome is going to happen. And another definition, alternate definition is to be full of positive expectation, expectful, okay? So I I want to unpack these five words. But before I do that, I I want you to know what my intentions are and what I believe God's hope for is for today's conversation. Number one, that, that it will motivate those who are not currently serving at Maple Grove to begin serving the body here and to serve like Jesus. Uh, number two, that, that, that it will move those who are serving to, to renew their passion, not just to serve, but to serve like Jesus. For even the Son of Man, even God did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and again, the focus this week is on serving in the church so that this body will be stronger and more effective. And now on October the 30th, in the message, we are pursuing a life lived on mission, we'll talk more about serving outside the church, right? You know, serving in the church and serving outside the church are both important and essential. Get it? Good. Serve like Jesus, we must be humble. Paul put it this way in Philippians chapter 2. Your attitude, and turn to the person to your right and left and say, your attitude Why is that so much fun, right? Did you want to finish it, right? Your attitude, young man. You know your attitude. Everybody's got attitude, right? Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Seriously, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearances of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Maple Grove, that passage says that you and I are to have the same attitude or mindset as Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant. Now let me tell you what that passage is not saying. It is not saying, despite the fact that Jesus was God, he took on the nature of a servant. You see, the word in the text, that word being, in, in the original language, it's called a circumstantial participle. And how you translate it depends on the content, context and the circumstances surrounding it. And listen, when we do that, a more accurate reading of the point that Paul is trying to drive home is this, precisely because Jesus was in the very nature of God, he took on the very nature of a servant. Now, in ancient Greek mythology, there's a time when Zeus and Hermes, they, they come down to earth for a period of time and they dress up as servants, dress up as slaves, and uh, they want to check up on their people to find out how much they really love their gods, what's the level of their commitment. And, and, and once they get all their data, Zeus and Hermes, they throw up the rags and they show off in all their Olympian splendor, right? It's Superman and Clark Kent all over again, right? They took on the outward form of a servant, but it was just a disguise. But listen, Jesus did not simply take on the outward form of a servant. In Philippians, Paul uses the same term to describe both Jesus' servanthood and his godhood. Being, being in very nature God, taking on the very nature of a servant. I understand when Jesus came in the form of a servant, he was not disguising who God is, but he was revealing who God is, and our God is a servant. You see, Jesus not come as a servant in spite of the fact that he's God. No, Jesus came to this earth as a servant precisely because he's God. Uh, listen, anyone can do acts of service. Anyone can teach a class, keep the nursery, give blankets to the homeless, food to the hungry, water to the thirsty, money to a missionary, and it might all be done not in humility but to exalt self. Uh, One of my favorite professors, uh, Dr. Uh, Roger Chambers, said this, the way we can know if we have a servant's heart is how we act when we're treated like one. Hmm. A lot of truth to that, right? Now you may be thinking, wait a minute, Steve. If I do that, if I serve like Jesus, people will take advantage of me and walk all, all over me and I'll have to wash some dirty feet. But listen, it's right here where we come to the crossroads of choosing to serve or choosing to serve like Jesus. A guy who knew that every single person that he served would either deny him, betray him, or shout crucify him. You see, when we choose to simply serve, we're still in charge. Therefore, we get to decide the who, the what, the where, and the how of our serving. If we're in charge, we'll worry about someone taking advantage of us or stepping all over us However, if we choose to be a servant, we give up being in charge, and we surrender the right to choose the the who, the what, the when, and the how of our serving. Get it? Good. Yeah, yeah, the fear of being taken advantage of is is legit, and and it's a real concern. It it may happen, but what I see in Scripture is that a, a, a Jesus follower, a Christian servant, is a person who chooses to be stepped on if necessary, who chooses to be stepped on if that's what it takes to get the job done? Kill him. Kill him. Right? That's what it took for Paul to get the job done. And if you think about it, who can hurt someone who chooses to be stepped on? Who can hurt someone who knows that the ultimate and a most the ultimate and most important reward and applause for their service comes not from the applause of people, but from the applause of heaven? Well done thy good and faithful servant, right? And for some of you, God will look at you today and say, you know what, well done. You're doing better than you think you are. Keep going, keep going. To serve like Jesus, we must be humble and we must be available. One day Jesus is walking down the road to Jericho and some blind men start yelling at him. Mark, Matthew records, two blind men shout at Lord, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them, what do you want me to do for you? If you're taking notes, circle those two words, Jesus stopped understand if you want to be used by god if you want to serve like jesus you we, we must be willing to stop we must be willing to be interrupted and inconvenienced you know as you read through the scriptures, you see that most of jesus ministry near all of his miracles were interruptions they happened when he stopped I mean, think about all the people he healed, the blind, the lame, the sick, the paralyzed, the dead. All of them were interruptions. His first miracle was what? Interruption at a wedding he was attending. And in Matthew 20, it says, Jesus stopped. I know we talk a lot about following in the steps of Jesus, but what about following in the stops of Jesus? The Bible says in Proverbs 3.28, Never tell your neighbor to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. You see, servant-harving people, they don't procrastinate. They, 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 they're, they're responsive. They're, 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 they're sensitive. And when they hear of a legitimate need, they say, okay, and they pause to fight off selfishness. And then they say, all right, let's do this. Amen. Now, there's two common barriers that keep us from being available. One is self-centeredness. The Bible says, forget yourself long enough to lend a helping hand. Is that hard for you to do, to forget yourself? I so want to give you the opportunity to do that to the right and left, but I won't, right? You know, forget yourself, right? Forget you, right? Understand, when we, when we, whenever we see a need, God is, is giving us the opportunity to develop the spiritual discipline of serving. Let me say that again. Whenever we see a need, God has given us an opportunity to serve and, and to become like Jesus. But the problem is we got our own agenda, our own plans, our own dreams, our own goals. So, so we hang a do not disturb sign. Jesus, do not disturb my goals, my schedule, my plans, my. Bottom line, if, if to serve like Jesus, in fact, even to follow Jesus, we must all give up our own selfish ways. Luke 9, 23. If any of you wants to be my follower, anybody want to be Jesus' follower, raise your hand, right? Okay, we don't know if we want to raise it. Okay. Right? Because these are Jesus, right? He's like, okay, Jesus. Steve Malone, if you want to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways. i still got some turning to do. Take up your cross daily, that's why it's a daily thing, and follow me. Another thing that makes it hard to be available is procrastination, uh, no, excuse me, perfectionism. Wanting everything to be perfect. Hey, when it's just right, when, when things settle down, it's kind of crazy in my life right now, the job, the kids, you know, when things settle down, then I'll serve in the church. Anybody ever think that, hear something like that? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 11.4, if you wait for perfect conditions, you'll never get anything done, right? Anybody want to give me a testimony on that, right? You see, Christ-like servants do the best they can with what they have for Jesus now. They don't wait. And listen, the awesome thing is that we don't have to be perfect in order for God to bless our efforts. And if you think about it, that's what excellence is, right? Excellence isn't perfection. Excellence is giving and doing our best. You know, if God only used perfect people, right, nothing would get done. I mean, let's be honest. We are all just a bunch of messed up people. We all have faults, flaws, and failures, hang-ups, hurts, and handicaps. But guess what? God uses us anyway. so throughout the Bible, we see God using imperfect, ordinary people who simply make themselves available? Abraham, Jacob, David, Peter, Esther, Sarah, Rahab, Gideon, Samson. Perfect? No way. But God still used them. Remember, the key is not what we have, it's being available and giving what we have to God in faith. Listen, most of the times with God, you know what God gets things done through? Not through the necessarily the people with ability, but the people with availability. There were Thousands of Israelite warriors when Goliath was taunting, right? Thousands. Some may be even tougher than David, maybe. But there's only one person who made himself available. And that person got to see the giant fall with nothing but a stone. Serve like Jesus, wants to be humble, available, and thankful. The Bible tells a story in John chapter 11 of Jesus serving God in an incredible way. His friend Lazarus died, and Jesus went there. Most people thought he was going there for a funeral, but he was going there for a resurrection. He was going there to serve. And he walked up and he prayed a prayer. He didn't have to pray it out loud, but he he prayed it out loud so that we could read today what he prayed. The Bible tells us John 11, 41 and 42, Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you heard me, and know that you always hear me. But I said it's for the benefit of the people standing here, because I want them to know that you're a God who hears, and you're a God who always hears. Now, understand, Jesus had an attitude of thankfulness in everything he did. Now, you might think, hey, if I could raise the dead, I'd be pretty thankful too. That'd be like awesome, right? But listen, Jesus was thankful in tough times. He was thankful when he was criticized. He was thankful when things were not easy. He, he, he was thankful in the upper room when he, when he introduced communion. You know, when he took that bread that symbolizes his broken body, it says he gave thanks for it. God, thank you for my body that's about to be broken. And he took that cup. Thank you, God. He gave thanks for his blood that was about to be shed. The apostle Paul, kill him, kill him. You know, that guy, he was thankful. He said in 1 Timothy 112, "I, I thank Jesus Christ because he trusted me and gave me this work of serving him. Man, I'm so glad to be a servant. And the Bible says in Psalm 100, verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Now, now why should we serve God with thankfulness? I mean, what do we have to be thankful for? I I mean, why should we serve God not with a sense of duty, but a sense of delight? Not out of obligation, uh, but embracing an opportunity? Answer, we serve Him with thankfulness, number one, because He saved us. He saved us. Listen, you owe a debt that you can never pay. See, Jesus paid a debt he did not owe, because you owed a debt you can never pay. He saved you. And if that's all he ever did for you was save you, that's all the motivation you need to serve him with thankfulness. Amen. Number two, we serve him thankfulness because we get to be a part of something so absolutely, stinking, lutely awesome. That's another word. That's a good word. That's a good word right there. We get to be a part of his church, his body, his family. We get to be a part of the hope of the world. Are you kidding me? We get to be a part of a, of a kingdom that, that is unshakable, of a purpose that, that is unstoppable, of a team that is undefeatable, and of a movement that is changing the forevers of people. Amen. I'm thankful to be a part of this team. Man, it, it, it's the best team going, man. It ain't going anywhere. Serve like Jesus, humble, available, thankful, and faithful. What does this mean? It means we don't give up. Keep on going. Uh, we don't throw in the towel in the middle of our assignment. We don't quit on six, do we, Mark? We don't quit on six. Then of his ministry on earth, Jesus said in John chapter 17, verse 4, I have brought you glory on earth by completing the work, right? I I, I finished my job. I completed my work. I want all of us to be able to say the same thing when we face God. God, I completed the work you gave me to do. And listen, God has given every Jesus follower a work to do a function, a role within the church. Every believer has a part. That's one of the reasons that the Bible often refers to the church as the body of Christ, right? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, the body has many parts. No kidding. It has 206 bones, 600 muscles, 900 ligaments, and 20 million nerve endings, and I'll stop there. That's like a lot of parts. But the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free, some are Patriots fans, and some are not, right? <laughs> Go patriots. <laughs> uh, but we're all I've been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, now more than I'd be freaking out, my foot started talking, but <laughs> if the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And and if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? If the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has placed each part just where he wants it. Then Ephesians 4, 16, I love this. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. See, we don't all do the same thing. Because we all did the same thing, you know, only one thing got done, gets done, and God has a lot of things he wants done, so we're all different, we all have different gifts and talents and abilities and passions, right? But we all come together to form this one body, but we're all needed. You know, when, when I think of a picture of things coming together, you know, when I was thinking about it, this image came to my mind, it's a beautiful image, let's see that, that's so beautiful, amen. USS Woodrow Wilson, SSBN 624, right? That, that, that was my my, my my first submarine right there, you know. And, and here's a picture taking, oh my gosh. 36 years ago. And I'm in cruise mass, so I just got my dolphins, right? Just qualified submarines. And and and, and there's so many systems on a submarine. There's 115 guys, right? Like maybe 12 to 15 officers, the, the, the rest are enlisted. We're all doing different things, right? We're all not doing the same thing, but we all come together to make this thing work where he goes on the water and it comes back up, right? You know, it's a very good thing when you come back up. And, 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 and you, you look at a sports team, right? I mean, you take the greatest quarterback, we, who cares who you wanna pick, right? If he was on the field by himself, that'd be very difficult, right? He had to block everybody. If you had to throw the ball to himself, I don't think he would ever win a game, right? But everybody is important, right? Everybody has a special part to play, and when everybody does their part, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. You see, if one part of my body stopped working, like if the leg stopped, you know, you know, ow, I'm too old to do that, man. Oh my, God. work, rich cop. You all saw that. I got witnesses, man. I'm rich. College is covered, but, but if a part of my body stopped working, that'd be a very bad thing, right? I mean, hey, I'm glad my heart's still working, aren't you, right? Kidney, keep going, right? Lungs, love you, right? I am mean, serious, right? And, and, and so what we're going to do right now for the next few minutes is an opportunity. Uh, we have some different places. You can see over there At the kiosk, it says Pachum and Buildings and Ground, and, 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 and Kaz, K-O-Z. If you want to help, and here's the deal, Guys. Uh, you know, we need some more men to spend the night. Um, you get to go to bed by 11, right? And you get to sleep. You don't it's not like you, you go without sleep. Go to bed by 11. And, and we need some guys to sign up to spend the night for the homeless people that we shelter for an entire week. You can sign up over there, right? Okay, fight off your selfishness. Fight it off, fight it off, and go sign up, right? And, and then over there, you can sign up to be part of our children's ministry or, or our youth ministry. If you want to be part of the worship team that involves, like, singing, playing an instrument, working in the sound booth. If you love making PowerPoints, you're creative. You know, we, we, yeah, we got Max and Leela, man, and I, I work them like dogs, man. I mean, Max has been doing it since way before I got here. He does a phenomenal job. You like to help do that, you know, um, and back at the Welcome Center is you're signing up for the Sunday support team, basically, right? That team doesn't exist, but the sign-up does, right? And basically... What that is is, you know, know, guest services, you know, working in the parking lot, greeting, helping with the coffee, ushering, preparing communion if someone's getting baptized, right? These various things. And so we're going to take a a few minutes in just a second where you have the opportunity to get up and and sign up. And I know this could be awkward for some people. You know, we got refreshments there, you know, and I'm I'm risking, hey, this is kind of awkward. Hey, it's your first time here. Now you feel really awkward sitting around. And I'm risking the awkward to raise up servants, right? And if you're here for the first time, what's your problem? First time, let's get busy, right? You know, you should be, no, i just kidding. You know, you know, uh, but, but you can go back and, and grab something to drink, talk and stuff, you know, but, but I'm here to tell you that serving is where it's at. That, that 20-year-old guy, pretty good looking, you know, you know I, I won't tell you how many pounds ago that was. We won't talk, we won't go there. Uh, you know, but I, I, he started in the nursery at that time at a church in South Carolina. Uh, that's where I broke in. I broke in in the nursery. You know, when I moved to Virginia in 1983 to work in the shipyard, you know, I, I got moved up to two-year-olds, man, you know, and then three-year-olds, and then by the time I was 25, I, I was in the preacher's office doing a, a, a college-age Bible study, but you know what? I, I, if I never worked in the nursery, I don't think I'd be standing here. I don't think I'd be standing here, you know, because I, I wouldn't have been invested, so I just want to encourage you guys, you know, we need you, you know. You know, there is so much unleashed ability in this room, it scares me to death. You guys are some of the smartest, brightest, most talented people I've ever stood before. If I ever think about my IQ and yours on Sundays, I would be flipping out, right? What am I doing up here talking to so many smart people, right? You know, thank God he helps me, I hope, you know. But you guys are gifted, and you're talented, and you love God, and we need you to make his body stronger. And so I'm going to pray, and then mill about At those various stations, there'll be people there to help you. Some elders will be hanging out by the coffee just to talk with you, or if you say, I don't know where to serve. Let's just stand, and let's let's embrace the awkwardness. Uh, God, we love you. God, I thank you for these people. They're awesome and amazing, and they love you. And God, I pray your spirit just stirs up, and we raise up an army of people so that this body is more effective for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Break. Hey, uh, I, I hate to cut this off, um, but I got some fantasy football stuff to change, and if I don't get out of here soon, I could, I could lose again. I'm kidding. But hey, uh, if, if you all would just grab a seat, there'll be time afterwards to, uh, to talk to these various stations some more. Uh, also, there's going to be a link on our, our website that says serve, and you can just fill that out, whatever you would like to serve in. Um, there's just one more point I'm going to hit in my notes, and it's, it's, it's really fast, um, but I'm really excited. I, I feel the energy and God moving in here. Um, to serve like Jesus, we must be humble, available, thankful, faithful, and, and finally, we must be expectful. Remember, that's an adjective, a strong feeling, sense of belief that something awesome is going to happen, uh, to be full of positive expectation. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, for we are God's masterpiece. That's actually the Greek word poema, where we get our English word poem. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things. If you're taking notes, circle that. So we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Brothers and sisters, you need to serve expectful expecting that you can do the good things God planned for you, and ex- and also expecting that, that your service will bring your life joy, meaning, satisfaction, growth, and impact. You need to serve expecting that your service will make a difference in this body. You need to serve expecting that that your service will bring glory to God. You need to serve expecting that that, that your serving will help you become the, the person that God created you to be. You need to serve expecting that you're about to get on a wild and crazy ride, that you have no idea where it's going to take you, but when you get to the end, you'll be saying praise God. You need to serve expecting that your service will help Maple Grove become a lean, mean, Satan-fighting, darkness-lighting, kingdom-advancing, life-and-forever changing machine. Amen? Amen. 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 And, and now, not now, we're coming to our time of, of communion, and, and we do this every week. Devotion to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the, to the fellowship, and to the breaking of the bread. And, and, and Jesus, in an upper room, broke bread, and And he gave thanks. I've never gave thanks for a beating before. Uh, I've never gave thanks for having spikes driven through my hands. Uh, I've never given thanks for having my blood shed, but Jesus gave thanks. Why? Because he loves you. Why? Because he could not imagine eternity without you. Why? Because he wanted you back home where you belong. And, and, And so, in just a minute, you'll get up and you'll take communion. They're off to the side. They're actually in two cups. And, and, and you know, I, I talked to someone who thought we didn't have the bread because just saw the communion. And we actually double cup it. And there's, you take off the first cup and the cracker is underneath of it. You know, and, and, and they're off to the side. You can do that. Our offering boxes are, are behind that. And, and as you do that, just remember how much God loves you. And, and that he was thankful and willingly served. And had his body broken because he loves you, you know, and he wants you to be a part of his team. And, and uh, if you're here today and, and, and you have never surrendered to him, there's some things you know you need to do. Maybe you're here today and, and you know that you need to surrender your life and baptism to him. We can do that. The water's fine, right? Come grab me. You need prayer, come grab me. Um, But if you guys would stand, I'm going to pray, and then we'll just go off to those stations. Um, God, we love you. Thank you for loving us enough that you would allow your body to be broken. Thank you for loving us enough that you allow your blood to be shed. Thank you for providing a way that we can go back home. In Jesus' name, amen.